Welcome to Becoming a Sleep Consultant. I'm your host, Jane Havens, a certified sleep consultant and founder of both SnoozeFest by Jane Havens and Center for Pediatric Sleep Management. On this podcast, I'll be discussing the business side of sleep consulting. You'll have an insider's view on launching, growing, and even scaling a sleep consulting business. This is not a podcast about sleep training. This is a podcast about business building and entrepreneurship. Camilla Martello is the owner and founder of Camilla Sleep. Originally from Columbia, she completed her certification with Center for Pediatric Sleep Management and now helps Spanish-speaking families around the world improve sleep at home. Camilla is also the director of Academia Consultoria de Sueño, which is CPSM's sleep consultant certification program in Spanish. Camilla, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very how did, happy. <laughs> how did I do? How did I do with pronouncing our course in Spanish? Did I do? Okay? You did great. You did great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so you enrolled in Center for Pediatric Sleep Management in, I think it was June of 2020 and I completed the course pretty quickly. Um, I remember when you launched that you really made a strong effort to share all of your content in both English and Spanish in the beginning which frankly, I'm sure was exhausting. How did you, how long were you doing that before you really realized that you had gained more traction in Spanish and wanted to focus your efforts in that direction? Well, I think it was, yeah, it was exhausting, first of all. And I still do it here and there when I think it's content that, you know, people from that speak both languages will really benefit from. But in general, I think it was maybe like, probably almost a year maybe a little bit less but it's not a it's it wasn't even more about yeah it was more engagement right so I still got referrals from people who spoke English but the content like the actual engagement I have with the community at least on on social media it went way you know it just exploded as soon as everything started you know as everyone started just seeing my content in spanish and at least my stories i think stories uh, are just like more in the moment and i definitely you know just express myself better when i do it in spanish yeah yeah um and and so you're from colombia is that yeah. where most of your clients live or do you have spanish speaking clients all over the world so I, I would say most of them are in Colombia, but I also have worked with clients in Venezuela, in Panama. There's a lot of just families, Spanish speaking families all over the world. So I'm actually helping out a family in Dubai right now. I help one of my first clients was actually a Colombian in China. And there's also a lot of people from the in the US, just Spanish speaking people in the US. Okay. And and like, what did that look like? How did that play out? Um like, were you building a network within your personal connections from Colombia and then getting referrals that way? Or was it really just you showing up on Instagram, speaking in Spanish and attracting a global Spanish speaking audience? A little bit of both. Definitely at first, you know, you all st we all start out and we're just like sharing like, hey, I'm doing this. And of course, I had quite a, I'll say a little advantage because not sleep consultants are pretty new back home. So everyone's like, what is this about? I have a funny story where I helped someone. She's from a small town in Colombia. And then all of her friends were asking her like, what magic, 
was I doing? Because I was using like a white smoke and I was like, no, it's white noise. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, it was really something brand new. So that helped, you know, get the word around and definitely just showing up. I think that's, you know, you always say that on to all of the people interested in the program and to everyone enrolled, but definitely showing up, you know, it takes time. It takes effort, of course, but it definitely pays off just showing up. Definitely. So did you feel like you, and you sort of touched on this, but I want to talk about this a little bit more. Did you feel like you needed to educate this Spanish speaking audience on what exactly it is that sleep consultants do and how they can help you? Yes, I'm for sure a little bit of education, a lot of education of sa- on safe sleep practices. And right now, my major, I wouldn't say challenge, it's just like more of my, what I'm also constantly, yeah, cha- battling against is like, there's a lot of, there's a big uproar in the attachment parenting community, and just like respectful parenting, which, you know, I'm all for respecting our children, of course, but sure. there is there's a there are a lot of myths around sleep training. And there's a big use of heavy words, you know, like torture, abuse, mm-hmm. and all these things where I'm all, always just like trying to educate like, hey, you know, you can teach healthy sleep habits in a way that's comfortable for you. And that, and little by little, just like with every positive experience I've had with a family, you know, they share. And I've, I, my clients right now are just clients that come that are, have been referred from one of my first clients two years ago. So it does pay off. And as long as you have, like, you put your best work for with the family you have at the moment and make sure that they feel comfortable with what they're doing, that's gonna that's what's going to bring you, you know, more business, right? So at the end of the day, if I'm telling parents like, hey, you can sleep train in a way that feel, feel safe for you, I do make sure that I, you know, make, make you, like, oh, sorry, I forgot. I, that's okay. Let me, that's okay. You're, you're saying that, that you're going to work with them in a way that, that works for them. And, yeah, and I, I keep progress. my promise. I keep my promise, right? So I make sure that I'm not pressuring them to do anything they don't feel like doing. I set realistic expectations. I tell them what it's going to look like. I tell them, hey, if you want to do this, you know, more, um, this more parent present approach method, then this is what it's going to look like. And you're probably not going to have results in a week. You're going to have to, you know, be patient about it and trust the process. So, you know, I, I keep my promises, but I also set expectations, <laughs> Yeah, I think that that's really important. So are you working with families for longer? Um, you know, I, I work with families for a two week period. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. 99 times out of 100. That's enough time. Are your um, consultations with your clients a longer? Is it a longer experience? Sometimes, sometimes we're, we're done in two weeks. It really depends on the starting point. So when I do my discovery call, depending on the age and what the babies, you know, what what's the starting point, then I kind of have already a a feel of how long it's going to take. So when it's like really small babies, and there's a lot of night feedings, and just like contact naps, just like a bunch of things, I would say three weeks, the same with all older kids, right? So two, three, four that have been bed sharing, you know, bottle to sleep feed, you know, there's a lot of it's culturally, but 
in other countries, they don't, pediatricians don't make an emphasis on weaning out bottles at 12 months. So I get a bunch of two and three year old toddlers who are just like chugging eight ounce bottles. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so depending on what the starting point is, then I'll do maybe three weeks, but usually in two, if it's a baby that, you know, they sleep in the crib, they just have the occasional night waking. They just don't know how to fall asleep independently, but maybe have no night feeds. That's usually done with in two weeks. Okay. So you touched on this. Uh, actually, we we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves because the next question I wanted to ask you is to sort of call out some of the cultural differences that you see in your business that sort of impact how you support families during the sleep training process. I know that, uh, so you just came out, you just mentioned one of them, the sort of like extended bottle use. Um, yeah. One that comes to my mind is like, the family unit sometimes looks different, right? With like grandparents mm -hmm. living in the home. Like, can you talk about some things that you come up against in your business supporting families abroad that maybe you don't see as much with your uh, local American families? Yes, yeah, so usually there's a lot of family around, a lot. So with that comes a lot of opinions, right? And you either have the, the grandma who's super interested in learning everything or the grandma who just believes that it's a waste of money and that the baby should just be fed, you know, oatmeal in the bottle or just like given like this kind of tea, right? So that's on one side. The other like main participant basically are nannies. And the thing with nannies back home or um, just like night nurses is that they really don't have like a proper training. There's no training. There's no certification. It's not like an SES, NCS course here. They're just like nannies and, uh, and they're very professional, right? But a lot of their training is just like experience. What have they done with other babies? And of course, we know that what worked with one baby might not work with every baby, right? So then moms call me and they say, my nurse you know, she's really good with all of her past babies, but she said that her techniques don't work with this one. I'm like, well, what's the technique? Oh, keeping them up all day, just like feeding them a lot. Just, you know, things that in theory don't really have to do anything with ac the actual skill of falling asleep independently. And there's, of course, a lot of nannies who just like don't want to deal with night wakings. They just grab the baby and rock them to sleep. And they just like spend the right. I've had a bunch of nannies who just like, spend the night with the baby in the rocker which of course it's not safe right and then with toddlers and they're just like bed sharing with the nannies and then it's you know I've seen everything <laughs> yeah I'm sure you have and then and then you have to come in and in like a really respectful uh delicate way help them to undo all of that which I would imagine is a little tricky because it's not just helping someone to make a change in the way that we think about it, but it's like undoing cultural norms a little yes. bit, right? <laughs> so part of my sleep plans, what I've done a lot is I've added a lot of education and basically putting in like, why are we doing this? How do we sleep? Why is it important for the baby to, you know, to be in the crib and get there fully awake? So I have really, you know, made my plans like parts educational, so that's just like, so people can just like see, oh, this is how we sleep. Oh, this is why they're waking up. And oh, this is why they have to get there awake, right? For people maybe in the US that are hiring a sleep consultant, they already know 
what they're doing wrong, right? So they're just like, oh, okay, just tell me what to do. While here, I'm trying to tell them, so this is why the baby doesn't wake up and this is what needs to be changed. And this is how you're going to do it. So it's a lot of like making people realize that what they're doing is not working. And it's not because they wanted to do something wrong. It's just because they didn't know. And, and what they did in the past maybe worked and that's amazing. But with this specific baby, it's just not working and it's, and it's okay, right? We fix it. That's so interesting that you point that out because, you know, if I think about all of my clients that I support, they are highly educated, they are researchers, they're information gatherers. And a lot of the reason for why they hire me is because it's sort of like information overload. Like Mm -hmm. there's just so much information out there that they don't know who to listen to, what to read, what advice to take, because... There's just like so much out there and it feels really overwhelming. So they hire me to sort of sift through all the noise and give them a solid plan that they can yeah. stick to. But, but you make such an interesting point because your clients don't have all that access to all of that information that uh, yeah, not I mean, as much, right? Like they're not, they're not reading baby wise and mom's on call and they're not yeah. Googling the Ferber method, right? Like they're they, not, they, just, right. they don't know. <laughs> they're not. I mean, they, now they're more conscious. So like there's some, I do get some moms that are like full on and they're like, I know what I, you know, I know what the problem is, but help me out. But I also get moms who like really wait a long time because when you have more family, more support around, you also get to rest during the day, right? So there's this mom that's like, well, I don't sleep at all, but my mother-in-law takes the baby during the day so I can rest. Or, well, my the nanny's there. Or, oh, my mom came. So, oh, we take turns, right? So this goes on and on and on until the mom finally realizes, like, okay, it's not sustainable, right? Yeah, or so, it's just like not working for the child, right? Like, yeah. even even if mom is getting enough rest, because grandma comes in and saves the day during the day, and mom can take a couple of naps, I think at a certain point, parents start to realize when their three year old is not getting enough sleep is, that they no, have behavioral I've, struggles. I've had young babies, and they call me and, I'm, and they're like, Oh, no, he naps 10 minutes a day an eight month old. And I'm like, 10 minutes, are you sure? And they say, yeah, 10 minutes. And I'm like, isn't he fussy? Well, yeah, because but my mom grabs him, like people just start taking care of a fussy baby, in, you know, and you just like, take turns instead of just like saying, hey, this baby shouldn't be fussy on 10 <laughs> minutes of sleep all day, right? So it, it's a lot of just like, making and you know a lot of families actually contact me and say I didn't know my baby had a sleep problem and was sleeping too little until I saw your information and now I noticed that they're really lacking on sleep I see how tired they are right so also like just making them aware like hey you know your child needs some sleep are they getting enough yeah yeah so my next thought is how do you balance your own style and your own sort of philosophy on how to sleep train alongside the temperament of your clients, which I would imagine is a little bit different, right? I know that, look, with your own child, you're comfortable with telling him, I love you, it's bedtime, go to bed, right? (laughs) Time for sleep. Yeah, Um, And and I would imagine a lot of your clients aren't comfortable with that. So how do you 
balance sort of like the way you do things in your own home versus supporting Mm -hmm. families in a completely different way. I feel like that's really hard. Yeah, it has been a learning process for sure, because I don't I didn't even have to sleep train my son at three months. He, I mean, I did like sleep shaping. Right. So at three months, he was just like sleeping through the night. But ever since week eight, I was already reading all the books and figuring out and just like working with full feeds and putting him down awake and just like, you know, doing putting in the work. Right. But in general, it was easy. I can't tell you I didn't a method because I don't even remember counting time, like putting on a timer. And I don't remember picking him up and putting him down multiple times. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't remember. He, you know, anyways, what, do, what has been like, first, I am a good listener. Like, that's a skill. I wouldn't say that was my best skill two years ago, but just be a good listener. Make sure that I just like try to ask the mom I always focus on the mom more because usually she's like the more involved and I ask her what do you feel I tell her block out all of the noise because I had a mom the other day and she told me she knew she needed to sleep train she knew it was the right choice she knew it wasn't like gonna traumatize her child but everyone around her keep kept telling her all these things and she was just like not doubting herself she was just annoyed right and I talk to the mom and then I kind of figure out exactly what is it that she's fearful of the comments around her, the actual training or the crying. It's usually one of just like, yeah. And when it comes to the crying, I have, I I am pretty clear. I tell them from the start, just because you're there, it doesn't mean that it's going to be any easier children cry and I use a lot of like examples I know you like the car seat example a lot I use basically just like a daycare example a a nanny switch example I say hey when they're with this nanny for so long and you just bring in another person they're not gonna get used to that person immediately when you drop them off at daycare they don't recognize the space right they don't know they're safe you have to show them for that and I also make sure that if they're worried about something not being respectful for their child, I use that same same interest they have in respectful parenting, and I and I give it a twist and I say, hey, it's also it's also your child deserves the respect of you letting them figure things out on their own. Your eight month old eventually is going to be a child who needs you to trust him that he's going to be able to go to the party that's able to you know, that he's going to be able to tie their shoes. My toddler is putting and taking on off his clothes now on his own. When he can't do it immediately, he cries. He gets super frustrated. And if I dare touch him, he cries even more because he says, don't touch. Like I'm doing (laughs) it by myself. Right. So frustration takes, you know, and I respect that effort. So I just like stand aside. Of course, I don't want to see him that upset, but you know, it's his experience, right? It's his way. And I need to respect that process. So I kind of like use all of these examples of that respect, those situations where you have to respect them and let them figure things out on their own, because that's actually what's going to help those children build their self-esteem, right? So I take the respect part and I bring it all the way back to what's going to happen in the future, right? So that's like something I've learned to do. And of course, I also, you know, when they, when they're really worried about the crying, I go back to the research and say, Hey, you know, the research says nothing happens with cry out, right? The research says nothing happens with a check method, 
right? Or doing something even gentler. <laughs> so you can be, you know, rest assured, everything's going to be fine. So those things kind of have worked. And just a bunch of support, like, uh, here's a trick. I have a bunch of paragraphs written out for different stages of the sleep training process. And I just like copy paste them. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, this is going to be fine. This is what you're going to expect. Remember this, this is what you're doing it. And at the end of the day, I tell them the worst thing you can do is confuse your child, right? Because if you confuse or you give in, you're just making them cry for no reason. And that's even worse. And that kind of makes them feel, you know, yeah. Like, okay. Like I need to commit. Yeah. One thing I always say to parents is that, um, you know, you can be up all night with your baby or child and make no progress, or you can be up all night with your child and make some progress. So, you know, usually when, when you say it that way, they, they realize, okay, you're right. Like I am up all night anyway. And then tomorrow night's the same and the next night's the same and the next night's the same. So let's, let's actually change something, even if it still feels hard mm -hmm. because then maybe the next night will be a little bit better. Yeah, uh, for sure. And also I think culturally there's like, um, a lot of feelings of just like, I don't know what the word is, but like, oh, poor baby, they're in a crib. Oh, poor baby, you're going to take away the bottle. Oh, poor baby, <laughs> they're going to go to daycare. So a lot of like, in Spanish, we call it pesar. I don't know, just feelings of like, oh, poor baby. And that's like the worst feeling you could have towards your child, right? I'm like, no, your child can do anything. Your child is fine. Your child is happy. Like if you are constantly saying poor baby, what's that, what's that child inner voice going to be saying as they grow up? Oh, I'm a poor baby who can't do things. Right. So I'm all, I'm all like, like I said, there's a bunch of myths about like discipline and positive discipline and respectful parenting that you shouldn't sleep train. I'm like, I'm all for respectful parenting. I'm also all for like family sleeping, children having limits around bedtime and just like families making things work for them. Right. It's not, it doesn't make you any less natural or any less of a mom. If you just want your child to sleep in a crib, you know, consistently and you do have some time for yourself or your partner, you know, to sleep, yeah. sleep is not, it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to, it's, it's not negotiable, no, right? It, it shouldn't, it shouldn't <laughs> no. be negotiable. Um, you know, I, I firmly believe, and I think you agree that like all of these babies and toddlers, they want to be sleeping. They so desperately want to be sleeping and they just need to be given an opportunity to try. And, and when we empower parents to give their children an opportunity to try, I think they often quickly realize that it, that it works. And yeah. I, that, that probably spans all cultures, all, you know, that that's universal. For sure. I just remember something, another issue that I usually find myself with is like these kids, they're not room sharing with the parents, they're room sharing with a nanny. And sometimes a nanny, um, just like the parents, because usually parents are waking up the kids, <laughs> they're <laughs> coughing, the phone rings, the alarms. I found about a bunch of early risers and it was because the parents kept having the alarms on i'm like listen if you want a room share you also have to respect your baby's sleep right you can't just keep waking up a baby with an alarm so for sure i see a lot of parents who want to keep child children in the room the first year and i'm all for that but i also educate them and like 
just because your baby is in your room doesn't mean that you don't have to make any sacrifices about it, right? If you want a baby sleeping well, you can't have the TV on, you can't have the lights on, you can't just go in and out as you please, because your baby's gonna, you know, wake up, especially as they get older. So rocking chairs are like, my God, a must back home as soon as I start a sleep training process. And I see that rocking is like that the mom is constantly just like going back to that habit. I tell her, take the, you know, just remove the rocking chair for the remove. And I'm like, remove the rocking chair. <laughs> and that's, yeah, sometimes it's like the mom that gets a sensation the most because it's right there, right? You know, the rocking chair, you're going to rest and you're going to just like the easy way out, of course. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're they're very lucky to have you and to have your support, not just your support, but your education. I think that I think that that's that's obviously a huge component of what you do. And um, with that in mind, I guess I want to ask you, what are you working on? I know that you're sort of moving towards offering some digital courses, right? What is, what is, what do you have going on? What are you putting out? When I started out, I did newborn workshops, especially because with newborns, you know, we do shaping and I was like, how am I like, I didn't want to do week long support, like, sorry, month long support with babies. I was like, you know, but I also said, I don't think with my clientele, two weeks is going to be enough. Right. So I just said, I'm going to do a program, an online program. I did it in Spanish. So it's a newborn online program. It's always available for them to just like purchase. And it comes in with access to a Facebook group where I give them weekly support. So it's been working out nice up to right now. I don't feel burnt out by it at all. People just buy in. It's nice passive income. And then I just log in once a week and, and answer their questions, which usually you know, on a good day too, on a, on a busy day seven, right? It's not a lot. And then I have been thinking because of that education component, I'm trying to just like make my time, you know, work for me more. I've been spending a lot of time in the one-on-ones in the education aspect. So I was like, I think I can switch this around a little bit. And I'm trying to put part of my sleep plans on the, like an online program as well. Right. So they only they can see all the information at their pace and then with me only to discuss the child specific needs. Right. So that's on the works. But most recently, group group coaching, because the one on ones, I like them, but I'm also in the on the point where I just want to like try new things. I'm a little burnt out by all the individual help, you know, (laughs) so I put in this group coaching sold out for 10 spots. I started small. Let's see how I can, you know, maybe hire someone to help me out in the future and get in more families. But right now, basically, they have a week to review all the material and to just like start with recommendations, adjusting sleep schedules, you know, increasing calories during the day, just like the basics. And then in in two or three days, we start with the actual sleep training. So they have their plan. All the families are going to implement it at the same time. And they're going to have my support via Facebook group. That's, that's fabulous. Yeah, I'm just like trying new formats at this point, like when where I've done, you know, live workshops pre recorded, I'm doing the online program. And I feel like my families do need some time to take it all in and make some changes and, and educate themselves. And I feel like in the in the program format, it's gonna work out well for me. Love that. I'm excited to see how it goes. Uh, Before we wrap up, where can everybody find you, follow you? uh, Tell us, give us, give us the rundown. So 
Everyone can find me on Instagram. The handle is at Camila Sleep. So that's C-A-M-I-L-A Sleep. And yeah, you can see some sleep information in English, in Spanish. <laughs> Perfect. And I will make sure that that lands in the show notes. Uh, Camila, thank you so much for chatting with me as always. Uh, and I can't wait to see all that you do in your business. Have a good one. Thank you, Jane. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Becoming a Sleep Consultant podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so much to me if you would rate, review, and subscribe. When you rate, review, and subscribe, this helps the podcast reach a greater audience. I am so grateful for your support. If you would like to learn more about how you can become a certified sleep consultant, head over to my Facebook group, Becoming a Sleep Consultant, or to my website, thecpsm.com. Thanks so much, and I hope you will tune in for the next episode.